Welcome to the Addiction Connection. We like to believe the opposite of addiction is actually connection, and we are going to attempt to educate you and possibly even entertain you while we navigate all topics addiction. Hi, I'm Dr. Kirk Devine. And I'm Dr. Heather Bell, and we both provide primary care and addiction services. It's our goal to help you learn more about the disease of addiction and its treatments. All right, we're just going to start. Yeah. <laughs> we're like trying to plan and organize. Now, if you could see, I wish again, this was a, we got a lot of computers going around. I wish you could see in person what this table looks like. Yeah. And it, let me just say this, that, you know, we, we probably should have a, an excuse for why it didn't come out on Tuesday. If everybody recalls, it was a national holiday on Monday. <laughs> Thank you for blaming the holiday and not me again. So we're blaming the government. Well, and again, I have a lot of children. First day of school was Tuesday. Yeah. And I broke my leg. She broke her leg. She's been pretty crabby. But um, you would be too if you couldn't run for two weeks. Yes. yes. So today, uh, this is like the third or fourth in a series. Third part. So if you recall, end of July, beginning of August, we did... Two different common clinical questions and pearls in buprenorphine practice. So we talked a little bit about home inductions versus in clinic inductions, urine drug screens and confirmatory testing, kicking people out of your practice. Do you kick people out? No. Short never, answer. Never. We so, just hug them when they come back. So today, Dr. Bell, what do we got cooking? You know, we're going to just kind of Start with a new case and go from there. Uh, you we're not going to tell them what we're talking about. You should have sent me the memo. Okay, I'll just wing it. Winging it. Okay, so maybe you remember from the other ones if y'all listened to them <laughs> before. Little case we're going to start with, we're going to kind of work through. So this one that is airing on a random Thursday, I believe, and then the next one, which will be out on Tuesday, it's all going to be the same patient. Ah. So we'll try to What's his name going. or her name? Um. I did I? I don't think I gave a gender because it's just a person. It is a person and it doesn't really matter. So new patient, never seen this patient before in clinic. Heart rate is 112. The pupils are dilated. You walk in and they're sweaty and they're clammy. They're tremorous. Like this is the most ideal patient coming in because it's very obvious. Um, looks well, not fabulous. Like you just get that. This patient doesn't feel great. And the urine drug screen? Everything is negative. How about the pregnancy test on this person? That was not obtained yet. <laughs> okay. Also I, negative. I Let's not complicate this. Let's not complicate this. I was wondering this if it was a man or a Random non gendered human has a negative pregnancy test and a urine drug screen that's also does not show any substances in the urine. So this is a lead in to this why is a lead in. Yeah. what what okay, first of all, you see this patient. What is your first thought about this patient? Even before you see the urine or anything, you walk in the room and this is what you see. Yeah, I see a sick person and they're laying on my exam table and they're miserable. But what's your number one differential diagnosis? Well, I'm in an addiction clinic, so I'm going to go with withdrawal. I know, but this is not just for, well, yes. Okay, I asked you specifically, <laughs> what do you think? Okay, bad yeah. question, Heather. If you are in any healthcare setting and you are an emergency room doctor, you might work in a jail because you will see this a lot there and in ERs. This is not something you should ever miss. Kind of like the person who's clutching their chest, chest saying that they have like left jaw pain, left shoulder pain, they can't breathe in their yeah. chest. An elephant is sitting on their chest. You think, just don't miss that. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's certainly different if this is an ER because 
obviously, if a patient ends up in our clinic in this situation, they've already been screened through and we know they're in withdrawal from something. In an ER, you have to make that evaluation and ask the correct questions. This and the, but Correct, because this could be a person who's just severely septic. Yes, I guess, so. could be other things. But you can't miss it. I'm sorry, I'm going on a tangent here, and that's because how often is this person missed they in are. an acute setting, not in an addiction clinic? Uh, most of the time, if they don't want to reveal uh, their use disorder, they will say they have the flu. And we've had many patients who, who tell us these stories how they went in and did that and got fluids and got other meds and occasionally got opioids for their pain, their abdominal pain. So, so yeah, I mean, I think asking the correct questions and doing them in a non-judgmental way. Correct. So you walk in and you think, okay, this patient is clearly an opioid withdrawal, or you at least put that on your list. But yeah, you have this urine drug screen that's negative. What the heck is going on? Yeah. And of course, in, let's say they couldn't talk just so that we have to think through what could make their test not show anything. Although they could tell you. Yeah, I know. But I didn't gonna... take anything. Yeah. Well, they could, yeah. They could. Either way. But let's just say for argument's sake, we can't ask the patient. They're refusing We're to tell We're taking you. a test and we can't ask them. <laughs> and so it's a mock patient. So what things I really do we think about that could be in their urine that you can't see that would give them these types of symptoms? So, you know, back in the day, a couple years ago, um, the first things I would not think of would have been fentanyl. I would have not, I mean, I would know that that's one of them, but that wouldn't have been my number one thing that this person's withdrawing from fentanyl. Yeah. And now it's the first thing on our mind. It's the first five things on our mind. Um, You know, but it's important to think a few years ago, Kratom would have been towards the top of my list, as yeah. would a couple down, maybe Tineptine. Yeah, we and Tineptine had been in uh, to the north of us. There had been a lot of this, and they withdraw much like any other opioid. Um, but Kratom, of course, much more common. I just had a Kratom withdrawal less than two weeks ago, so uh, they do come in. Now, I think the question you always ask if you if the patient comes in and they're talking about Kratom, that doesn't mean they're not also using other opioids. Right, you can't just say, oh, they're using Kratom and Mm -hmm. all that. They could definitely be using, you know, the fentanyl or the tineptine and whatever. Other things you need to think about now, though, that don't show up. I mean, there's a lot of things that don't show up. Tramadol, I guess we should mention that on this list. Yeah, and that's, of course, you find that on confirmatory. Most most places actually have to ask for a Tramadol, you know, actual level. Right. So I guess that, that those take days to come back. Yeah. <laughs> but um, now in this day and age with fentanyl and all the weird things, you know, there are things that don't show up in urine drug screens, gabapentin, all that for sake of time. I'm not going to go through all those, but there's other things that are important with fentanyl now. Xylazine yeah. is not going to show up on urine drug screens on a screen. Horse, um, horse sedative. Horse tranquilizer. Yeah, and actually... Although um, it's not... It, it's like woodland deer... Oh, really? Well, I think the important part about xylazine, did we do a, already do one on xylazine? I think we did. I can't remember. I know we've done an echo like with that. xylazine. Anyway. But I think talking. that the thing to understand about xylazine. Yes. We did June 6th. Yeah. That uh, in Minnesota, it's like 7 or 8% of overdose deaths have xylazine in it. And the key with xylazine, I'm going to refresh your memory from June 7th, is that, you know, patients use it because it, quote, gives, gives fentanyl legs, so it kind of 
helps fentanyl last a little bit longer. But the thing with xylazine is it, yeah, it gives fentanyl eggs that last longer. It makes everything about it more severe and it doesn't respond to naloxone or Narcan. Yeah. And I think that's, uh, that's kind of an issue. They um, need to be intubated. Yeah, this is not let me just give you 400 doses of Narcan. But if they're in withdrawal from fentanyl, they probably haven't taken xylazine recently. But just remember, if they recently took fentanyl, uh, the effects of xylazine can really make things much worse. Right. And then other benzos don't show up on the urine drug screen, which for this case is not actually pertinent. Um, it'll be important as you're seeing this patient feeling better and having conversations when they're willing to talk to you, but. Yeah, so keep in mind that, that and, you know, sometimes too, and this happened to me recently, somebody was in, in the ER and they did a urine drug screen and the patient was clearly in opioid withdrawal and, uh, you know, they didn't really have in there what the patient was taking. And it could have been, you know, because everything was negative. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you know, I mean, that can be kratom. Kratom withdrawal is terrible. Because it's quick. Oh, yeah. They, they're they sick. And so, yeah, that's uh, that's always one to think about. Okay, so now you're obviously with the patient and, you know, they're in withdrawal. What do you do for them? If this is a clinic and they're coming into your addiction clinic or your primary care clinic and you do, you know, buprenorphine products or Suboxone or Subutex or whatever, you know, you're thinking induction maybe is why they showed up. If you're in an emergency department, hopefully you are thinking that as well, or you're calling in people who will do that. You don't just say, oh, yep, you're good. Peace out. See you later. Go find an addiction treatment tomorrow or appointment and don't use drugs. That doesn't work well. So anyway, you're thinking an induction. Um, Kavi, I'm going to give an asterisk here too. I'm on tangents today. It's just like a pattern after a million meetings. You do have to, according to the one law, have to at least say, you know, we do Suboxone here, you know, but you do need to be aware that there's methadone treatment out there. We don't do it here. If that was you're interested in, we can help get you, even though you're really sick, to that clinic. And Naltrexone or Vivitrol, um, you know, they, we, yeah, well, you have case, to find out if they've, when they last used their opioid. And if they're this sick, they're not really eligible for that right now anyway. Yeah, you obviously got to wait five, six, seven, eight days You just got to say... Are you wanting your Suboxone right now? Yeah. Do you um, want these symptoms to be completely gone? Do you want to feel better? Um, which is a little harder with fentanyl, but it, so it works. you get your cows, your clinical opioid withdrawal score, and it is 16. Might even be higher after describing that patient. So what do you do? What, what do you do, Kurt, and where do you do it? Yeah, and, you know, we're faced with this frequently in our clinic. Um, and I tell you what, I... It, Things are just so variable now because so much of it is, number one, how many, and what we're seeing in our area is the fentanyl pills. So we're seeing the the blues, the dirty 30s, and we're seeing people taking anywhere from five, and I had a guy uh, last week uh, taking 15 a day. Uh, and, and so the withdrawal and the symptoms they're having may be vastly different. I mean, it's it can be pretty impressive. Right, and fentanyl... Yeah. isn't like heroin. It doesn't go, I mean, you can't just say, now we're going to talk about how we would induce this patient. And there are, you know, other, and there are other ways. Um, yeah, but and we'll mention that. We'll mention it and we'll mention why we do what we do. Well, um, but it, it comes down to the fact that you can't just, for me, give them the same dose of buprenorphine yes. I would if this was heroin. 
um, because of the fentanyl pharmacodynamics and all of that. Well, my patient that I was just talking about, he's taking 15 a day. Now remember, fentanyl is lipophilic, and so they will have positive urine tests for days and days, sometimes five, six days. And my patient went to a place and was in pretty bad withdrawal. I think his cow score was 14 or 15 there, and he was given 8 milligrams of uh, buprenorphine slash naloxone and went into precipitated withdrawal. Got very ill. Uh, he gave. He was given four more milligrams and even got worse. Hmm. Um, in retrospect, probably what, I mean, at that point, you're committed if you gave them eight. Uh, some people would, would dose them with eight more or, or 16 more, right, and hope that they'd pull them out of it. Um, we do have a little bit of a different way of doing that. And, right. and so he came back uh, to me uh, five or six days later in the same situation and, and tells me he's been, he thinks he has PTSD and he has been having nightmares about taking buprenorphine again. And that was one thing I was actually going to bring up when we initially, I mentioned about, you know, you got to talk about methadone, you got to talk about Suboxone mm-hmm. and, you know, we can start this, but you will have patients, especially with fentanyl around that'll say, well, I can't use Suboxone because I use fentanyl because, Again, back in the olden days, they would just dose themselves with Suboxone if they couldn't get their hands on Oxy or heroin, and they'd feel better, and they tried to do that in the fentanyl days, and they made themselves sick with yeah. that precipitated. So so here's what I did with him. I, I, he was quite sick. I started at 2 milligrams a couple times a day that first day. Gave him clonidine, gave him Zofran. Next day, bumped it to 4. A couple times a day, he was better. And by the third, third day, he was up to 8 twice a day, and then now on 24. Um, and so just slowly took it away. And, and I think that, again, there's, there's lots of different thoughts. He was very clearly not going to take 8 milligrams or 16 milligrams or the big dose that sometimes people um, try to use. And so. I think just listening to what you said, I, I think that was even kind of aggressive, to be honest with you. Like, and I, that's just... For me, um, well, I I didn't tell the complete part of the story. He was during the last five days before I saw him. He, well, let me say this: the five days before I saw him, he'd taken sixty-five uh, of these fentanyl pills. The next five days, he took and taken four. Yeah, and that was kind of what I was getting at. Why mm-hmm. I brought that up because one, that is not the typical protocol we use. What Kurt nope. just said because one thing though with that is asking the patient when they last used fentanyl, because if it has been already three days, I will be more aggressive like you yep. just described, because it's what that three to five day window, four day window where so what the if fentanyl been, is gone enough that you can then kind of go up faster. What if it had been uh, 16 hours? Yeah. So the guy that I had recently who it had been, you know, that 12 to 16 hours, maybe his, he sounded a lot like this person we just described i gave him two milligrams in clinic no i actually gave him one we split a two we gave him one um and you know it it helped him enough that he finally was able to sleep for like the first time in in like two days and so after an hour and he was awake went back in and just said well how you feeling and he actually pulled his you know hoodie up a little bit i could see him a little bit better you can just see he looked better and I said, well, I would like to give you the other half of this. So I gave him another one, and he was comfortable with that. We did wait another half an hour because I'm like, I am being very conservative with just this one milligrams twice. And 
even after that second one milligram, he was feeling better and not perfect. And I said, you know, there's a couple ways we can do this. I can give you more running the risk of I might be pushing it or we can, you know, kind of know this is where we're at right now. And I can give you some other meds, like the clonidines and all of that to send you home with. And you can take another one later. And I said, but I, you know, you got to tell me how you're feeling. He's like, well, I don't feel fabulous, but he's able to talk to me. He's able to eat. He was able to sleep. He's like, I'm okay. And so I wrote for him to have another two milligrams, like four or five hours later. Cause I saw him, it was like two in the afternoon. And so by like six, seven, eight, he took another two. And I'd said in the morning, take another two. And then I saw him again that next day right away and feeling better. And so then we did two milligrams twice a day for a couple of days. I yep. think we did that just for two days. And then I did a four mm-hmm. twice a day. And mm-hmm. so we got up there. I mean, it, it took a couple more days than yours, but yep. he had just started his and withdrawal. I, I think what people need to understand is there is... 20 million different ways to do this. And we choose to be very, um, in a way, I always tell patients, I want to do this by feel. I mean, how are you feeling? And I always say, if you take a couple of milligrams and you definitely feel better, when you start to not feel good again a few hours later, that's when you you can redose. Four or five hours later, all of a sudden you're feeling that same thing, redose. And we just ride that line. Mm -hmm. Um, And again, there are groups and there's been studies in the ERs where they're giving, you know, 16 milligrams to people that are in the same situation. And they had, you know, two, three, four percent precipitated withdrawal, uh, which is low. Right. Um, but then again, we see one patient after another and we get phone calls from communities where people gave relatively small doses and ended up in precipitated withdrawal. Right. I think and I think, again, that's just the the way people like to do it. And. I think once you've seen that one precipitated withdrawal or that 3% of 100, <laughs> I can't yeah, it's do never. that to a person. Yeah. Um, has there been a situation where we've gotten a call and I've said, you know, they've kind of already pushed it by the time I got the call? Okay, now you're to that breaking you're point committed. of you could wait another 24 hours, give them another dose, but they're more miserable than they were when they walked in. Throw it all at them. Get yeah. them to 24 right now. And so... That's kind of the only time I go macro dosing. Yeah. So it is, it is, there, there's a lot of people that listen to this and go, oh no, I do it this way. And, and, and if it works for you, I think that's great. I mean, we tend to be pretty conservative. Uh, and I think we base a lot of it on, you know, the, the phone calls we get from all over mm-hmm. the, the communities that we help and, and some of the interesting things, but every patient is different and it's how long has it been since they used roughly how many things do you think, how much are they using? And then you kind of work that up in your brain and come up with a plan that is, it's not all that scientific. Number one, you don't know how much is fentanyl is in these, these pills or how much they're injecting. So, right. So I think, yeah, you're right. When, for me, the biggest things with fentanyl is when did you last use is that helps knowing that, okay, that four to five day window is kind of where I aim for. If we're already at that close to that four to five, I'll go, I'll still start slowly, but I will go faster. And if they're just in the first couple of days, I'll go slower, longer, I think the key is what you said a second ago with if the patient empower them that if they are home and they start to get gross again, they can take a little bit, but it is a lot about communication with the patient and is gross a medical term. Mm -hmm. Oh, yep. I feel gross. Yeah. People, people say that, especially Hmm. after you have a baby and you haven't showered, but, um, (laughs) that was random. What? 
But you want to just make sure they know, like, if you're feeling poorly and you take too much, you will get sick. And so it's reassuring them you are not, you know. Yeah. Setting that expectation. You might feel a little bit gross for a little bit or not perfect. You're not going to be as sick as you were when you walked in, but you're not going to feel perfect. Give me three days. You know, here's the the one thing I would say about going slowly. Lee. Um, is that there is that risk that the patient's going to say, uh, you know, screw this. I'm just going to take something. And uh, I didn't tell you that, but that's what my guy did last week. Uh, he actually took a pill. Uh, he had a stash that I didn't know about that his wife didn't know. Oh, you grow. did tell me this. Yeah, and so I didn't say it here. but and, and in a way, it took him out of his withdrawal, but we kept going. And and I said to him, listen, that's no big deal. We're, we're going to work through that. Just, you know, just tell me. Just, you know, I, I'm just glad you told me because that helps me kind of plan here this next day or two. Um, but he was so miserable. He, well, he wasn't that miserable, but he didn't want it. And so he, mm-hmm. he took a pill. Yeah. And so as long as they're honest with you, it, it kind of helps you kind of find your way then. Right. And I, honest to God, knock on wood, all the low and low dose inductions I have done, I've not had one disappear because they don't like how they feel. Yeah. It's that... It, I'm using way more. I'm using way more clonidine and Zofran than I was when I almost never used it with heroin because they were better when they left. And I, I'll call it in, but most of the patients I've seen, they barely use any clonidine. These yeah. are just you know my few, but the the Zofran I actually end up calling in a refill one time on pretty oh. much everybody. Oh, interesting. And I don't know if it's because they haven't eaten in a long time or you know like what their diet was like, and now that they're feeling a little better, they're Stomachs aren't used to it. I don't know. Probably multifactorial, but. Are we done with this one already? <laughs> we are. Oh, okay. Here we thought four slides was going to yeah. only take eight minutes. So in, in summary, every patient's different. And just be, uh, just really think about, you know, where they're at, what they've used, and and then make a plan. And, yes. you know, there is no perfect science to this. Uh, if there was a protocol for every patient, wouldn't that be great, Dr. Bell? Yes, if we all came with instruction manuals like our children. All right, so uh, in a few days we'll be back, actually, and we will kind of take over again, like finish off with this patient. Hopefully we'll get it all in in one, talking about some of the mental health and other things in urine and things to think about. We'll see how our patient is doing after his induction. Yeah, kind of the common, some of the common questions we get. So Later. Casey, please take over. When I was a little boy, I'd play outside with stones and sticks and hang upon your windowsill, wishing we could be. When you were a little girl, you wouldn't see that I exist. My knees would fail, my tongue be still, wishing we would meet. So wise, that's how a restless mind begins Stealing, drinking on the curb Forgetting we could be Loneliness is never far You slam the door into my chain How fortunate I've been tonight You finally know me
was a little boy I'd often wander from outside To hang upon your windowsill Wishing we could be Now set him up and shoot him down Drinking in the moonlight Set him up and shoot him down We could never be Set him up and shoot him down Gonna start a new life Set him up and shoot him down We could never be